Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. I'm here to try and provide some hope and a little bit of um, dignity and hopefully give some people a little bit of uh, the idea that they're worthy of all that they do and help them understand that they don't deserve to be bullied. No one does. Uh, And I know it starts at a young age and sometimes we carry it with us into adulthood. But nonetheless, this podcast is designed to provide people with information to help deal with the problem, uh, to give you some ideas about how you can deal with a bully if you're a victim, and if you're a bully, how you can stop doing it, because it really is not the thing that you want to do. We are in the first show of the new school year, and I'm not sure how you guys are doing wherever you are. but we're in school. I'm in New Jersey and we're in school and the kids are wearing a mask or they're staying separated out on the playground and they may have even little dividers up between them. But I have to tell you, whatever they're doing, they're in school and it beats being home and sitting on a computer. That's all I can tell you. So I am thrilled that the kids are back to school and starting to recognize or realize some semblance of normalcy with their school year because the kids did not do well uh, last year. I think some of them didn't do well. I know my daughter did okay scholastically, but when you don't see your friends and you're not out there socializing, it can be a drag for a lot of kids. Now, today we have with us Jen Dalton or Jenny Dalton, uh, and she's the author, facilitator, coach, healer, she does a whole lot of stuff, and her work in the in the world flows from from facilitating healthy healthier local food systems and fundraising for an orphanage in Haiti to talking about her recently published book, which we're going to talk about today, uh, of butterflies and bullies, and, and that was inspired by Judy Bloom about her experience being bullied in the fifth grade. Uh, She's also launching soon the Better Friends Club, which will create a virtual space for women to transform friendships with self and others and heal from childhood bullying and other friendship challenges. And you can follow her on Instagram. It's by Jenny Dalton. Uh, And uh, you can follow her on her website. But I'm going to let her share that information with you at the end so you have it in your mind. Jen Welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. It's a thrill to have you here. It is such a pleasure to be here, John. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, it's just like an honor to talk with someone who has been so dedicated and committed to this work. Uh, likewise, likewise. You know, I really, um, because I have a tendency uh, to go through an interview and forget stuff that I need to say in the interview. <laughs> it just, it, it happens. I want you to tell us right up front about of butterflies and bullies. 
and share some information about that right up front. And why did you write it? And maybe the story behind it. And where can people get it? Right, right off the bat. Why don't you do that for us? Great. Thanks. Well, all the information about my book is at www.butterfliesbullies.com. Um, I wrote it because in my 20s, I started to realize that my experiences being bullied in fifth grade were really starting to impact my life as an adult. Um, I, you know, there's tons of studies out there that show what the lingering effects of bullying can have on an adult. And like some people call it like a dark cloud over you. I mean, it's everything from difficulty with relationships to, you know, um, substance abuse, um, you know, body image issues, et cetera. And I just knew in my heart that I just didn't want to be carrying this with me. And so I started journaling about it. And then that journaling turned into writing a book. Mm -hmm. And I really started to experience um, the transformation that can occur when you write your story, meaning what, I, what is out there right now of Butterflies and Bullies is a creative nonfiction book. So it is mm -hmm. fiction, mm -hmm. um, but it's based on my story. And my intention with it really was, you know, when I was being bullied, I didn't feel like there were very many books out there that I could read where I could understand the story of a girl just like me who was going through something really difficult and how she overcame it. Mm -hmm. So essentially... I created a story about this girl, Molly, who is being bullied. And in the story, she journals a lot about her feelings. And I really wanted to share those raw, intense feelings of being bullied and the confusion and the, you know, start how you start to notice like, oh, wait, I can't trust these people or they're not being nice to me. And mm -hmm. what did I do? And all those questions that you ask as um, a person who's been bullied, um, you know, so that other girls could have something to sort of um, give them like some ground to stand on, like, oh, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. Other mm -hmm. people have felt this. And then in the telling of my story, like I said, it's just really transformed my own healing around it and has helped me, you know, transcend it, get past it, start to notice all the ways in which I don't have to be that little girl anymore, even mm -hmm. though now I'm, I mean, I've just turned 50 and I'm still noticing behaviors where I'll stop and I'll say to myself, oh, that's a bullied girl response. Like I'm acting mm -hmm. like a bully girl right now. You know? mm -hmm. And I don't have to be that girl. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, so um, yeah, it was just a really healing, healing experience. And then, you know, I wrote the book in my twenties and I just mentioned I'm 50. I, um, I just, you know, I, I went through this whole process. I, I got an agent in New York, did the whole, like trying to sell it to publishers at the time. The book, which is is pretty much geared for junior high students, it's very much in the young adult genre. Um, it also really appeals to grown women, and my agent had a hard time kind of with that sell. And so we, after a year of working to sell it to larger publishers, we just kind of let it drop, and I felt really good about it. I, I remember reading it on my front stoop at my house and. And I was just like, I'm really proud of this. I feel really good about it. And I just stuck it in a drawer. Mm -hmm. Well, right when the pandemic started, my husband um, said, well, you keep talking about this book you wrote back in the day. Like, what is this all about? And he read it and he really encouraged me to self-publish. And obviously now self-publishing is just so much easier than it was, um, you know, 20 years ago. And I have just been engaged on this whole book launching, self-promotion, self-publishing journey, which has also brought up a lot of the bully girl uh, ideas, a lot of self-judgment, you know, a lot of, you know, feelings of vulnerability of putting myself out there and re-engaging in this story. Um, and it's also brought to light, you know, a lot of other stories of women my age and a little bit younger who also experience bullying, either as the bullier or the bully, or the, you know, the bullied person, or the bully, mm -hmm. or even a bystander, that are still so deeply a part of who they are. And that's sort of what the Better Friends, Friends Club is about, is just this opportunity for us all to storytell around that, and then start to transform our stories, so that we can mm -hmm. move into being better friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much the long and the short of it. 
Right. And the, good the, for the, you in following your uh, husband's advice and self-publishing. I think it's a, a wonderful idea. You know, we, we call it bullying. We call it uh, harassment, intimidation. Um, there's a lot of words that we use. Uh, inability to manage conflict. We back down from conflict all the time as adults because of things that happened when we were children. Uh, we don't want to confront. Uh, but I think in, in the long and short of it is, uh, because that, that word bullying gets kicked around an awful lot uh, today, uh, is that we just don't get along. We haven't figured out how to share space with people and uh, and I'm not talking about tolerance, I'm talking about acceptance, how to accept and value the differences that other people have. And I don't know if it's gotten worse over the years. Uh, I know that um, when I was younger, as an example, I have uh, kids that uh, one of them uh, is uh, adopted from Ethiopia. Uh, her name is Zoe. She's, she's the one that's in the sixth grade. I have other, I have two other daughters, one's 30 and the other one's 25. But I watch them at the end of like a soccer game and they, uh, and they, they run up, they, they shake hands, they're friends with some of the other kids, you know, and so on. And I watch them playing and they're all a little more courteous to one another. But I can remember when I played little league baseball, the coaches, the kids, you made an error. You felt bad enough making an error. They got on you for making the error. Now you feel twice as bad. And it's something that you don't see today. So I'm happy about that. I really am. But I, I really do believe that because of social media, bullying has just gotten bigger. It's just gotten quite a bit worse. And it's something that we have to address, you know, and maybe you do do it, you know, over the, as you go around and speak and speak and talk with people. Um, you had mentioned the idea that you journaled, you did a lot of journaling. And I think that's great. I think that kids need to do that a whole lot more than just typing. There's something about writing. I don't know how you do it if you do it on a computer, but there's something about going from here to here, from your head to the pencil. Uh, it seems to do something. There's a release that comes when you write. How did that help you? The, the journaling process. Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. It's a it helps make a bigger connection, I think, to your subconscious and your consciousness when mm -hmm. you use a pen or a pencil and you write on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. um, there's again, like you just said, a direct connection. It seems to some sort of, I mean, healing modality, energy. I don't know what it is, but it really helps you transform uh, your stories. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a woman that um, wrote a review of my book. She has a PhD um, and her specialty is, you know, it's kind of the lasting effects of bullying. She wrote a great book called My Bullied Past, Why Does It Still Hurt? Her mm -hmm. name is Laura Martucci. And um, she, you know, really talks a lot about how when you continue to, to handwrite your story over and over and over again, it helps you to heal it. But also, um, you know, in my experience too, it just gives you some objectivity about what's happening because the, the biggest, I think, important part of it all is for the person who's writing to get a sense of what your inner voice is. Mm -hmm. Who are you, you know, in all of this? Who are you mm -hmm. being? What, what experience are you having? Mm -hmm. And once you can tap into that sort of inner strength, I think that's where some resilience starts to arise, you know, and mm. you, you begin to understand, oh, you know, I'm, I'm this person, this is an experience that's happening in my world, but you know, how can I react? How can I act? And you can ask yourself questions and you can kind of self-direct a little bit. And even when you're younger, I mean, mm -hmm. the, it's just having a journal or a mm. book or something where you can write down your feelings, especially mm. when you're afraid to share them with someone else is mm -hmm. is a really special um relationship that you can have with yourself mm -hmm. and so that's where it really um where it really started and i you know i want to just kind of go back to what you mentioned about how we can't get along you know mm -hmm. and i feel like you know from my understanding you know it's part 
our DNA, right? Like our animalistic sense of like survival and competition. And then it's part just our culture, the way that we've indoctrinated one another into this like competitive Mm -hmm. comparison, um, you know, way like, oh, look at them. They've got this. I don't have that. And we just start comparing ourselves to one another. And that, in my understanding, from my research, really starts to arise when you're like 10. You know, that's when your brain starts to click on and say, oh, well, they live in a bigger house than me or I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I live on. And in in my experience, this was the case. You know, I transferred to a new school when I was in fifth grade, um, a school for, you know, gifted children, an accelerated program. And I went from like my very, very like middle class, lower middle class neighborhood into like a wealthier neighborhood Mm -hmm. and really started to see some differences between myself and other. And I think you know, whether it was just something made me feel like I didn't fit in and maybe that I I looked weak and that's what caused the bullying. Like, I don't really know what it was, but, you know, there was definitely a feeling of difference. And I think that Mm -hmm. we foster that through social media, right? Oh, they've got this. I don't have that. They're skinny. I'm not skinny. They look perfect. I'm not perfect. You know, they're doing this thing. I don't have that you know, whatever it is. And we can tap into people from all over the world and see how mm-hmm. you know different we are from them. And instead of embracing our differences and like really honoring like, oh, wow, look, they're so beautiful. Or well, look at them. They get, they just had this wonderful thing happen to them. I'm so happy for them. Like we don't come mm-hmm. from that place. We come from a place of fear. And so, and it, it kind of ties back into the journaling piece. Like when you can start to journal about yourself and start to uncover some of these things like, oh, I'm feeling really uncomfortable. They have, you know, the best new jeans and my parents can't afford it. And, you know, or whatever it is, you can start to self-soothe a little bit and get, a, a, you know, especially if your intention is to like grow stronger from mm-hmm. confiding in a journal. I think mm-hmm. we can really start to, um, to heal some things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I encourage a lot of the folks that I talk to to, to journal by hand. Mm-hmm. It, it, it engages. I think I'm going to use the right word, the sympathetic nervous system. It just engages that, uh, or it's the parasympathetic. It's the parasympathetic. The one, the parasympathetic is the one that is more calming. And then the sympathetic Mm -hmm. is the fight or flight. Right. Yeah. And engages that one. The one that you said, the parasympathetic system. It's interesting. You mentioned the word resiliency. Um, I had done, um, I auditioned for a TED talk uh, down in um, Charlottesville, Virginia. I didn't, I didn't make it, uh, but the talk that I, I gave, it was, uh, I didn't make the, the cut, you know, to, to, to do a, a TED talk. And um, the, the title of the talk was, we have, let's teach kids how to play again. That was the title of the talk. And it was, um, uh, it was probably three minutes long. And it's on YouTube. You, you could watch it on my YouTube channel, Anti-Bullying 101. You can just go and find it. Um, but the, the, one of the things that I, I spoke about in the, in, the, uh, in the talk was kids going out on the playground, playing, playing alone, going to a field, hitting a ball, shooting baskets, playing football, you know, anything, getting knocked down, getting up, having a fight with somebody. Uh, then becoming friends with them, uh, you know, understanding that competition has a pecking order. In other words, there's some kids that are better than me, and maybe I'm better than some other kids. But it's kind of like, who cares? All we want to do is play. Just leave us alone, you know. And I think, and I did share this one time. I said there were no play dates back then. In other words, my mom at 10 years old wasn't setting up a play date, you know, with another mom. I was just going over somebody's house with a glove and a ball and we played catch or something. That's the way it worked. And I think that's what kept me. I'm, I'm going to be 67, so I'm much older than you. But the thing is, it, it, it kind of um, made me resilient. It, hmm. it, it taught me how to bounce back. And real, even though the kids were probably much tougher and harder on me than the kids are today, because the kids today, they start, they get nailed. But nobody nailed us because we were alone doing it and we had to stand our ground and we had to do certain things. How do you see resiliency 
And how do you see this, you know, as it fits in, in terms of bullying and how, how do you help kids become more resilient? Mm, yeah, that's so much is just packed into what you just said. I mean, first of all, I just want to say I'm a huge fan of play mm -hmm. and there's a great book for adults called The Art of Play that um, I've always recommended to people because we just, we don't appreciate it so much. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think part of it is like, you know, our American education system as an educator, I'm sure, you know, I mean, we're like, I'm going to speak kind of from my, you know, sort of more rebellious self, but like we're training proletariats essentially. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not operating on this time schedule and things aren't regimented, then you can't be a productive worker in a right. capitalist society. Yeah. So that's who we're training with the school system and play is definitely not a part of that. And so we, um, have to train ourselves how to be playful and how to like let loose and you know feel mm -hmm. lost in a moment of our own pleasure right and mm -hmm. it's just not really encouraged we're not taught that mm -hmm. so that's a part of it um i definitely think that play is a resiliency practice um you know it's interesting i um used to work for an anti-poverty organization and one of the things i got to do at a conference once was take um a trauma um test like what is my um my childhood my adverse childhood experiences like measure and then take a resiliency test afterwards and i saw that like because of my childhood experiences my adverse childhood experiences that range from bullying to having a father who was an alcoholic etc that i had a really high adverse childhood experience like trauma index or whatever but mm -hmm. my resiliency was really high. And so what mm -hmm. was it that I engaged in that helped me become resilient? Well, I think that the journaling was a big part of that, starting to just understand my own thoughts and emotions and feelings mm -hmm. and how they're separate from other people in their mind. Um, having a really supportive adult in my life, like for me, it was my grandpa. He was, mm -hmm. you know, just this, he like accepted everything about me, right? He was gave mm -hmm. me that unconditional love, but I just wasn't maybe getting enough of in other places or I couldn't see it enough. Um, you know, becoming more conscious of my actions and who I was being in the world and how I was being, mm -hmm. I mean, all this stuff evolved over time were things that I took on in high school. And then mm -hmm. after I graduated from college and, you know, in my early twenties and thirties, engaging in, you know, some kind of, um, spiritual practice, you know, taking care of my body, learning how to do all those things, instead of descending into, you know, mental health issues and substance abuse and, you know, mm -hmm. overeating, etc, which I was absolutely susceptible to, you know, mm -hmm. or allowing like my thoughts around depression or suicide or whatever to really take over, mm -hmm. I started to, you know, work with them and and really be like consciously um, you know, working through my trauma, even though I didn't know that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's part of it, I think, with the bullying piece that, you know, and I think you've mentioned this on your podcast before, like, we just see it as a rite of passage. Oh, it's just what kids do. Mm -hmm. well, no, like that whole mindset around bullying needs to shift too. Mm -hmm. It's not normal. It shouldn't be right. And so as adults, you know, working with kids and seeing relationships between kids, like, you know, I feel like, you know, parents today, if they haven't worked through their own traumas, they're not going to be as able to be as resilient for their kids or to, mm -hmm. to show them a way that is more productive for who we can be for each other, as opposed to just like automatically operating from like what you just like our sympathetic nervous mm -hmm. self, which is just our fight or flight personalities and egos, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if I answered your question, but it's just, yeah, such you, a you did because uh, honestly, you, you, you brought up so many very, very important pieces. Um, those who were bullied can very easily fall into an addictive lifestyle, could very easily not care for their body because they don't believe they're worthy of self-care. Uh, they could very easily have a difficulty with overeating or anything in excess. They could become addicted to porn. They could become, uh, have uh, trouble in um, relationships, uh, probably 
you know, have very difficult time or feel uncomfortable around men or women. Uh, and it's something that everyone needs to know. And see, no one knows this. No one understands it. When something happens to you and it was caused by another person, we never know how that event is going to carry through because it changed how it how it's going to uh, change the way we think because our our logic changes mm -hmm. we have private logic you know and if my father told me enough times that i'm no good i'm clumsy you can't do math my logic is going to start to change and i'm going to carry that with me and my confidence is going to take a hit and once my confidence takes a hit, I don't want to take risk. I don't want to take chances. I don't want to go to school. Then all of a sudden, I'm a poor student. And the whole thing snowballs into a lifestyle that really becomes unmanageable. Totally. The person who was bullied. And nobody realizes it. No, nobody gets it. They don't get it. They don't see that what their words are doing to someone else. Now, if we can as a group being the victim develop resiliency start taking care of our body stay start really considering you know who we are uh get involved with positive outlets surround ourselves with positive people mm -hmm. uh then okay we'll start to see the change that we need i went to college in 1973 and uh, we had our own fights in high school and battles. And I can tell you that I was bullied when I was a kid. No question. But when I went to college and I went to a state school, I drove to school. But as I was driving to school the very first day, I said, <laughs> I said to myself, nobody knows you here. Great place to be great place to be and that's how i looked at life i started looking at it from nobody knows you so i can confront somebody here if i want to because nobody knows you they don't know whether you're gonna when you engage in that confrontation you know if you're going to end up having a fight with what you're going to do but you can confront you can have conversation you can be more social nobody knows you yeah and that's what that's when things started changing yeah i know it's interesting i went to college with my bullies and they were because they I knew them, you know, from fifth grade through mm -hmm. essentially when I graduated from college. And I remember a couple of things you're talking about so much that's that's so pertinent, like, you know, just these ideas around. It's so important that we learn to, to self-talk in a way to ourselves that's positive, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we have we have to do it for ourselves. No one else is going to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but when I. Um, like, I guess it was maybe senior year of college, I sort of lost touch with one of the bullies. Um, and, you know, she like lived down the street from me my whole life. I run into her at a bar um, in Indianapolis where I'm from and I confront her about, you know, remember this, remember this happened. Like I was feeling emboldened. Like it was time to say, hello, like, why did you do this to me? Because I'm still carrying it with me all these years later she had no recollection of the experience, right? She didn't know what she had done, even though it was ongoing for a while. Mm -hmm. And she was like the ringleader of a group of girls that bullied me. Mm -hmm. And it just started to like dawn on me, like, wait, she doesn't remember this. So why am I carrying it around still? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm feeling all this shame. And she's walking around without that shame. She doesn't even, you know, know that her words and her actions impacted me in such a fundamental way that it, that changed who I thought I was, you know, in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had to go to therapy and do all these things because of what she did to me, but she doesn't remember it. That was life changing for me. And it really started to turn things around where I was like, oh, she was acting unconsciously and she was just doing what she was doing. She had a lot going on at her house. I know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was just asserting her own power, et cetera. The things that the girls do and boys mm -hmm. do to, you know, make peace with the world when things aren't in chaos at your house or whatever. But, oh man, I mean, it just, I feel like it started to, you know, give me this sense of like, oh, I, my words to myself and the words that I put out there in the world are impacting people and 
you know, how can I be more conscious of it? How can I be more kind to myself? I mean, that's something I've had to work with. I mean, for, for just several decades, I've had several therapists say to me, why are you beating yourself up? And it's mm -hmm. like, well, it's all I know. All I know is how to be mean to myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And especially because it started so young, it's just formed who I was. So really training myself to just speak kind words, um, you know, change thoughts, you know, I, you know, obviously getting expert help and doing that, um, you know, having lots of conversations with supportive people, shifting mm -hmm. who you hang out with. So like for me, right. it was really like senior year of college. And then I immediately moved from Indianapolis to San Francisco. I was like, I'm mm -hmm. starting over. I mean, <laughs> and I was able to do that, but getting yourself out of the situation, meaning for me, it took decades mm -hmm. and um, I could start to recreate. But mm -hmm. from that place of like, well, no one really knows me here, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it helped a lot to remove mm -hmm. myself from that situation. But it helped. The thing is, and I've shared this with my my own children. It's it's never the town. See, we because we carry our we carry the events that occurred with us. Right, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what happens? What happens is any time, if it's not dealt with, if people don't deal with it, any time there's an event in another environment that it even like remotely looks like something that we went through, okay, we want to keep moving. We, we want to get out of the area. It's, I don't want to be around these people. We want to quit jobs. We want to break up. We want to do this. You know, we want to, we want to get as far away from it as we can. And then, I mean, you can go on, you know, uh, go to another country and experience it. It's how we manage it, our own resiliency, if you will, in dealing with these issues. Oh, and that's I mean, something that we have. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, you're just bringing it up for me like this. I, you know, I, when I moved to San Francisco, you know, I moved maybe 18 times in 20 years, constantly mm -hmm. trying to recreate, oh, I'm going to be this kind of person now. I'm going to hang out with these people. I'm going to get this new job. Like nothing was ever satisfying. Mm -hmm. I really think that writing this story and then engaging in this process now as an older mm -hmm. person, like, like now I'm living in a house where I've lived the longest I've ever lived anywhere, which is like six years. <laughs> I'm in the longest relationship I've ever been in, which is 11 years. Mm -hmm. I'm learning so much more about just how to be stable. And, mm -hmm. you know, even though I lived in the same house since I was six until, I mean, my, my parents still live in the same house, although my dad just passed, but, you know, it's still there, the house, the memories, all the stuff, but I couldn't sit still, right? I was constantly mm -hmm. trying to like, just, oh, this feels uncomfortable. I can't be here. And again, like you said, instead of confronting the discomfort and, you know, even though I've been practicing yoga since I was 22, you know, all these like tool sets that I had to help me deal mm -hmm. with discomfort, mm -hmm. I couldn't be with myself. Mm -hmm. And only now am I starting to be with myself in a new way. And a part of it, I think, is because I've been reengaging with the story and re like healing from it from a new place like we always say like peeling back the onion layers like just when you mm -hmm. think you've dealt with something well there's a deeper layer of something to deal mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. and yeah and just have, be having peace with that too i think is a resiliency tool mm -hmm. you know like mm -hmm. well my process is where my process is you know i've mm -hmm. healed to where i'm healing and i can heal some more mm -hmm. and you know just being more aware of those Perpet like perpetuating relationships or situations you find yourself in. Like when I was in my twenties, I couldn't really see that I was engaging in friendships with other girl bullies or with men that, you know, weren't really the kind of men that I should be, you know, having long-term relationships with and still kind of engaging in relationships with, with people who were judging me or mm -hmm. making me feel less than, et cetera. And it just takes time mm. to grow. And yet mm. at the end of the day, I feel like I've lived a very rich life. I don't, you know, I don't judge it for having happened. It's just, it's, it's led me on an interesting path of self-discovery, resilience, you know, spiritual discovery, you know, learning how to be a better friend, um, you know, and learning how to be really honest with my friends too, and say, look, I was bullied. And sometimes it's hard for me to, you know, handle conflict or, um, 
you know, I mean, just, I have so many stories, but um, just learning how to be raw with friends and, mm-hmm. and intimate, you know, relationships and allow myself to just be myself and not feel like I'm going to be judged or I'm not going to judge myself. You know, you probably have a bunch of topics that you could speak to uh, that are uh, with the umbrella being bullying, relationships, resiliency. And I think it would be good if uh, the two of us maybe once a month did a podcast together where we spoke about some of these topics. And I think it would be it would be good for me. I, let me say it would be good for me. I don't know if it would be good for you. Uh, and you could just share stuff on the podcast. Uh, and then maybe you could begin to develop your own podcast um, over a period of time. I think that's something that I think would be kind of neat to do. Because uh, rarely do I have consistent people that come on that I can talk with about the topic. I'm all, all my content is original so I keep bringing up content, more and more content. And I think what happens is I burn out from providing the content. Whereas if I had someone else who had content and wanted to sit and chat with me about it, it would probably be more fun. So think about that and roll that around a little bit as you as we move through. Sure. Well, I will tell you that um, this is very synergistic that you suggested that because you know, in conversations that I've had with other women, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of women who were bullied, I put out a call like, hey, you know, are you an adult woman who's been bullied? You know, what are your experiences? And I'm, you know, still having those conversations. I, through that, I've also, I've also really seen that my next project is writing about all these things that we're talking about, right? So I've just started working on that yesterday. And I would love, you know, to have these conversations, it would help with my writing, it would, you know, I think that there's also this interesting interplay between the experiences of, you know, a male victim of bullying and a female, and like the way is in in which they're similar yet different and, you know, how, and not to say that, you know, I know today, you know, that feminine and masculine is much more fluid, um, which I think brings its own set of interesting challenges, which is a whole Mm -hmm. other topic to talk about. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm completely open to it. I think that um, there is, it's such a rich topic and Mm -hmm. especially from the growth perspective of, you know, how do we, you know, again, like how do we overcome these adverse experiences that we have in a powerful way so that we're, you know, I always like to say, I'd like to be good ecology. I wanna be a good person on the planet, like making the planet a better place with my, my voice and my actions and, you know, my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And but it's taken a long time to even get there, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of intense uh, experiences of nature have really brought me to that place too, mm-hmm. but. Just the difference in how um, girls are bullied versus boys, the relationship bullying, the mean girl concept that uh, girls go through in school, um, the social media, how that's impacted it. It's like a huge, you know, conversation. Um, Boys being bullied you know, uh, for a variety of different things. But bullies understand this, uh, uh, and it's something that I talk about all the time, is bullies bully really when you render it all down for two reasons. They bully because of weakness or difference. Those are the two things that cause people to bully. And anytime there's any difference with, within the machismo of the middle school, okay, boys jump right on that. They jump right on it. And girls might jump on it as well, but they do it in a different way. Girls work more from the avenue of exclusion. Oh, yeah. And boys work more from the, the avenue of, uh, confrontation they want to have the fight girls will exclude boys will confront it's a very interesting very interesting um 
are you writing anything else? Is there anything else that you have on the bench that well, you're doing? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I've just started this project. Um, again, like just you said, like what are the, the adverse effects and implicate, you know, impacts of being bullied as a child? Mm-hmm. Taking all those subject areas and really starting to dive into them from a perspective of my own experience, the experiences of others, and just the data that's out there. There's so many interesting studies. Mm-hmm. I mean, not so many, but there are, you know, a fair amount of studies that have looked mm-hmm. at, um, you know, the ways in which, you know, grown people, like whether it's like income disparities to, you know, health disparities, et cetera, it's such, it's such a huge impact. I mean, I think mm-hmm. there was a study in England in like 2017 that looked at 1400 people. And by and large, the majority of those adults had, you know, a a series of um, negative impacts in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think part of it is um, kind of something that you brought up when you just mentioned the difference between boys and girls, like for me, the exclusion factor, I mean, I am, I have spent a lifetime, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to feel like I fit in, or that I'm good enough. And when you're constantly wondering if you're good enough at something, I mean, that impacts everything. And so of course, I'm going to like, drink more, smoke weed, whatever it is, because I want to feel better. Um, because I'm just, you know, I've spent so much time like negative self talk, etc. Right, or mm-hmm. I, I see it in my world, I don't fit in, or I'm going to overeat so that my body looks like it doesn't fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just, it's, it's just a snowball effect, like you just said. So it's mm-hmm. very damaging. And I think that the more that we talk about it and the more that people write about it, um, the more we can illuminate it and hopefully it can transform into something mm-hmm. different in our society. I mean, I think we've done this enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. said, it's stop yeah. it. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the thing is with most kids, you know, they're, they're forced into situations where they have to apologize and somebody has to accept the apology. And, you know, I am a big believer in this, um, what I call kind of like an aggressive acceptance. In other words, the bully is going to say to you, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm, I'm sorry I did what I did. I'm sorry I called you, you know, a jerk or whatever I did. You know, and of course, the, what is the victim going to say? They're going to sit there. And usually this whole thing is facilitated with parents and administrators and all the crap you know that you could possibly bring into a meeting and if the victim doesn't want to accept the apology the victim gets blamed you know well why don't you want to accept the apology and blah 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 you know my feeling is accept the apology but the way you do it is you know i accept your apology but don't let it happen again because i'm sick of it just don't let it happen again because if it happens again you're really not apologizing to me and do an aggressive acceptance where you, you help that kid set the boundary at that point, see? And you're right, been there, done that. And some of the stuff that we've done, we've done it wrong. And a lot of times people don't understand the, the, like that, just do that. And, and then maybe that'll start to help. Right. Little well, a sincere, kids. a sincere apology, a sincere apology that is right. comes from an intentional place. And then having the, the victim like really feel the sincerity of that apology and, and having both parties come together and just be like, yeah, we're not going to do this anymore. It's so hurtful to both of us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like how often are those conversations happening? Because we're not getting at the root of what's going on. And sometimes the root of what's going on is happening in the home of the person who was the bully or the, you know, the, the bullied person. And again, the bystanders too, like they're not given the support they need necessarily to be able to say something and speak up and say, no, this isn't how we act. The, the word of the day in the house when my youngest daughter Zoe, when she was going to school and she was seeing things or somebody would say something to her, I said, Zoe, your response is stop, knock it off. Or that's not kind. Mm -hmm. It has to come from a very low level 
where kids realize that they can do it. The minute that you try to teach somebody something when they're like 10, 11, 12, they're already too intimidated to take those steps. But when you start saying, you, all you have to do is say, that's not kind, stop, knock it off. Right. I, um, you know, one of the things I do is I work in food systems change and local food systems, resiliency, mm -hmm. et cetera. And, you know, I have taken a lot of inspiration from um, like healthier food in the classroom for grade schoolers. Mm -hmm. And one of the tools that the administration give the kids is like when kids are like, Ooh, why are you eating that? You know, that the other child can respond and say, don't yuck my yum. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of the same thing. It's like they're empowering kids to say, you don't have to judge what I'm eating. I like carrots, you know, and mm -hmm. so I'm going to eat them. So don't yuck my yum. It's kind of, I don't know. I kind of see some correlation there within in working with kids in grade school to like empower them to say things that mm -hmm. can stop the, um, you know, the bullying essentially. I mean, that's right. food bullying. So, mm -hmm. you know, kids can, who knows? I mean, somebody making fun of what you eat, if it's healthy, if depending on how your mind digests, no pun intended, the information could determine whether or not you're coming to school with hostess cupcakes the next day or you're eating your carrots and you're eating then all of a sudden you're eating bad food and and you're starting to gain weight or you decide that you want to uh, go out on and you want to be a um, uh, instead of playing football you want to play golf and somebody says why aren't you playing football well I like golf well golf's for sissy yeah and before right. you know it another thing starts to evolve you see so the idea is we have to be accepting of those people and their preferences and who they are and so on. Right. So well, part of it, it's just about us living our best lives, right? Our lives that are full of our passions, the things that interest us so that we can live a fulfilled life at the end of the day. But we're not necessarily fostering that type of way of life. Mm -hmm. you know, in our school systems, you know, or because you have to like get the A in the, you know, in the class that maybe you're not so great at. And then you're judged because you didn't do well. It's like, well, I'm not, maybe I don't have an aptitude for that thing, or I'm not interested mm -hmm. in it. But that's not seen as something that's good. That's seen as something that makes you not good enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we live too. I mean, I think social media inspires a lot of um, perfection culture. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's something I've been on a big like personal campaign with lately is like imperfection. I love it. Like, let's be as imperfect as we possibly can, because that's just the human condition. We're not perfect. You know, mm -hmm. we're not going to be. And so how can we like really honor how imperfect we all are? Mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. anyway there's so many just like you said just it's just so such a complex topic there's yeah it is so it's much very to complex. talk about that's why i'd like to i'd like to continue it but right now uh, my name is jim burns you're listening to anti-bullying 101 we're talking to jenny dalton she's the author of butterflies and bullies and what she's going to do right now is she's going to tell us where we can buy that book Sure. Well, the best place to buy it is on my website, www.butterfliesbullies.com. And it's available as an ebook in printed mm -hmm. form. And I just launched the audio, um, which is available on iTunes, Amazon, and uh, Audible. And it's of mm -hmm. Butterflies and Bullies by Jenny Dalton. Um, and, you know, another thing is I'm the, the reader of the audiobook, and that was something that was, you know, I, I recorded it in Indianapolis where I was bullied and I read the story um, at a recording studio there in the neighborhood where I grew up. And that was another like real healing moment. It's like, I'm reading this out loud. I'm putting my story out there with my voice. And, you know, like I said, at the very beginning, the story has morphed into more of a fictionalized version of what really happened. But, um, you know, all names changed to protect the innocent. Um, but yeah, that was another really interesting part of the process. And it's imperfect, right? And so mm -hmm. honoring how imperfect I am, <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm still putting it out there. So, mm -hmm. you know, for those of you who love audiobooks um, or want to listen with your child, um, it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. a way to do it. So it's out there all over the place. I'm going to have all of this information in the episode description. So there's going to be links that they can click on if they want to get in there to purchase your book or, or audio book or get to your uh, Instagram page or whatever the case may be. So it's all going to be there for the listeners so they can get their hands on that.
Um, Jen, I have to end the interview right now, but I want to continue the interview with another point. I hope that's okay with you. Please. Okay. And we are, um, again, my name is Jim Burns. You're listening to Anti-Bullying 101. We have just completed an interview with Jen Dalton uh, from San Francisco. I think I'm about right. We're close, right? We're, we're giant fans anyway. Uh, <laughs> and we're hoping we can continue this interview at another point. But right now, my name is Jim Burns, and you've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. That was Jen Dalton. Uh, I interviewed her on Thursday, October 9th. It was 11 o'clock Eastern time. It was probably it was early in the morning for her. I think she did a great job, super job. Uh, and I certainly hope that we can have her back on again because I think she has topics that need to be covered that can be covered from oh, uh, a different perspective, and maybe her and I could get together and we could, you know, have a um, interview podcast. I'd love to be able to get some call-ins, and I'm going to see how I can do that, but uh, if we do it, maybe if we do it on Zoom, we can announce that and people could, uh, could join the conversation. At any rate, my name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. Um, I'm hoping that I can get back at you again next week uh, with another podcast. I enjoyed doing these. That was great. I had a great time. This is our first podcast for the for the new school year. I hope to continue to provide you with some content that's going to help you prevent harassment, intimidation, and bullying, and also make you aware of those around you who are doing it and how you can help those who are being bullied. My name is Jim Burns. Thanks for listening to Anti-Bullying 101.